You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Local guy. Makes good. We love it. Good to have him back with us. From NFL.com, he is Mr. Nick Shook. Hello, Nick. How Shooky are you? Cookie. What's up, hey, man? What's going on, guys? How are we doing? We are doing well. You write for NFL.com based out of Cleveland, correct? Correct. Gotta love that. That's fabulous. We love it. A couple blocks away from you guys. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, we'll come just on over. Bring lunch. Yeah, bring lunch. Bring lunch. We just live. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. I'm down. Yeah. Do it live. <laughs> In person. We'll do it live. Uh, before we get to anything Cleveland and the Browns. Super Bowl was an offensive spectacle. If you love offense, you love the Super Bowl. If you love defense, you probably still enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, what was your reaction to the Chiefs, especially in the second half, every time they touched the football, putting it in the end zone, which they could have on the last one, but they settled for the field goal? It was a true masterclass of, of out-scheming your opponent, of knowing what you had out there on tape and calling your plays accordingly, knowing what they might expect you to do in certain situations and going in the other direction and fooling them entirely. You know, you, you had the two touchdown passes, one to Kadarius Tony on the, the pre-snap motion where he bends it back outside, and they try, they try to pass off coverage, and, and Darius Slay is just completely left in the dust. And they run the same thing, in, you know, with Sky Moore, the rookie out of uh, uh, Western Michigan. So it's just like, uh, as I watched that second half, you know, in, and it was in that end zone where I was, uh, I was just blown away by how, the offensive play calling and design had taken an Eagles defense that was among the best in the league, especially getting after, you know, quarterbacks, which a lot of that has to do with Patrick Mahomes' mobility, and was making it look like one of the worst defense. It made it look like the Browns' defense with Joe Woods in week two against the Jets, basically because of the way that they just out-schemed the Eagles. And, um, and, and of course, you add in the, the Mahomes' magic and, and, you know, the fact that he's a rare talent and, was playing on this injured ankle and was extending the play and doing all kinds of crazy things that only he does. Um, that, that, of course, plays a role. But, I mean, if you look at him statistically, he didn't do very much in terms of total yards because they had a long punt return to set up a touchdown. He, they went right down the field to start to open the second half to score a touchdown. They just played a, about as close to as flawless of a game in the second half as possible, and that's what propelled them. And it was just an incredible sight to see, quite frankly, you know, because when we got to halftime, some of us there were thinking, well, this might be a boring second half because the Eagles look like they're about to take control of this game. And, oh, man, were we, were we wrong. All right, let's dig deep into your roots here in Cleveland. How far away can the Browns be from playing in that game? How far away are they? Um, well, I felt – Hang on, hang on. I might, need to, I might need to take an antidepressant <laughs> before you answer this. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I felt after the 2020 season um, that, that they – could be pretty close. Uh, you know, you saw them challenge this Chiefs team. You know, obviously a little bit different, but this Chiefs team in the playoffs, and you thought, man, 
they just need a couple pieces that might, you know, they were close. They were really close. And it seems like they've just kind of been in neutral in the last two years. And, and I thought a lot of that had to do in 2021 with the fact that, you know, Baker Bayfield was not healthy and, and there were just some questions about his long-term viability, which of course they went out and addressed this year. But I mean, I hate to kind of judge them over the past two years because I going into 2022 expected as soon as Deshaun Watson was suspended, you know, 12 games that, all right, this is your transition year. This is a year where, you can't expect to make the playoffs. You just try to get as many wins out of this as possible before he comes back. Because as we all saw, when he arrives, it's week one for him when it's week 13 for every other team and player in the NFL. And, and it, you know, it just, they couldn't get their stuff together. And, and at that point they had basically put themselves behind the eight ball to the, the point where they had to win out to just have any hope. And they obviously did not get that done. So I think they have questions to answer defensively. I think that their defensive line, specifically the interior, was something that they willingly overlooked last year, and it came back to bite them on multiple occasions. You have to answer defensive end, uh, with Jadevian Clowney seeming like he's heading out of the door. And linebacker is something that I felt like they haven't addressed as, as well as they should over the last few years. And you saw that once you lost Anthony Walker, you had to go out and you know, sign, you know, acquire a guy like Deion Jones in a trade. Uh, you signed Reggie Ragland, who actually played pretty decently for you. And then you lose Taki Taki, and just the, the lack of depth there really showed, and I wasn't really excited about them at the top of that position group, you know, although, although I do like JOK. So I think that a lot of the focus needs to be on that front seven, and luckily they hired the right guy at defensive coordinator to go to the front office and be like, hey, we need X, Y, and Z at these positions if you want me, my scheme to be executed properly. And, and I think you know, talking with the Eagles players who had played for him in the past, you guys like Brandon Graham, you know, they had nothing but great things to say about him. So I think they got the right guy as, in a coach – to address that, they just need to make the right personnel decisions. And I, I've been pretty fond of Andrew Berry in the way that he's kind of, you know, built this roster over the years. Some of his later picks I've been a fan of. DPJ, uh, Nick Harris, who unfortunately was lost from the season last year in the preseason. Hopefully he can go back and be better. But this feels like we're getting to that point where he's got to start to nail some of these off seasons in terms of, I know they don't have a ton of picks, but they do still have a decent amount of picks. they got to be able to, to restructure some of this cap and create enough space to go sign guys and then also spend your picks wisely and get some contributors. Nick Chook joining us, NFL.com. I was just going to ask you where you just went. Do you have more confidence in the Browns front office or the Browns coaching staff? Uh, I would say the front office at this point. Um, I, I honestly, watching the Browns last year and their body language on multiple occasions thought, man, they're pretty close to quitting on this coach. And they never really fully did. Uh, but – it felt like an instance or just a case of a team and a coach maybe not meshing as well as one would expect to. And at this point in Kevin Stefanski's time, I was just surprised that that was the case. I also think that you had some voices in that locker room who are not going to be there in 2023 that, that maybe weren't helping out that very much either. Uh, and so if I had to choose between the two, I'm, I'm going to go with the front office because I have liked the way that Andrew Barry has spent a decent amount of his picks. And really, I like the way he works the market. I like the way that he just went and said, oh, you know, uh, yeah, we'll take Amari Cooper off your hands, Jerry Jones, for a, a fifth-round pick. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, he obviously he's a great talent. Anybody who watched, you know, a half of football with Amari Cooper in it over the last five years could tell you that he's worth more than a fifth-round pick. And then, of course, you saw the receiver market balloon after that. It sure became a, a great deal, even better deal than it already was. So I like the way that he has, you know, made some of those roster moves and, and kind of shifted, you know, some guys and been able to capitalize. But I also think that there's been some signings that haven't panned out, John Johnson probably being one of them. And I think that we're probably near the end of his time here in order to, to create some cap space potentially. 
but I like, you know, when he's, when he's had picks, he's made picks that have not been chalk and they've paid off. Greg Newsom has been a good player. Uh, MJ Anderson was a good player. Uh, you know, it seems like he's got secondary otherwise, other than, you know, John Johnson, who was kind of, it was a big time signing at the time. Uh, I think he's got that figured out. I, I just really need to see him address the front seven to be fully confident in him. But if, if you had to choose between the two, I'm taking Andrew Barry for sure. Um, so let me just throw this at you because, right, your latest story was AFC North um, building blocks, right? Looking at the rookies. Is that yesterday? Yes. Did you just write that? Right. All right. So, so, <laughs> so adding on to that and just promoting your story, that's really what I wanted to do there. Um, yeah, make sure you go to NFL.com to read it. it what? Is. Why should. Browns fans believe in the front office, especially when you give them a C plus for what they've done with the rookies. Well, right. This, this contradicts what I just said. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> but and I, and as you brought that up, I was like, ah, he's got me. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's because they didn't have the picks. You know, you you didn't have picks in the first two rounds. I thought you you hit the right pick. It's MJ Emerson. Uh, he's one of those guys who you know we talked about Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen and you know those types of guys because they're bigger names. Emerson was in that conversation. It's just that he played for the Browns and was not a big name coming out of college. I just love the way he played um, as a rookie. He really showed off his inability to fit into the secondary where I think you have three very solid corners in Ward, Newsom, and Emerson, which is important in this past first league. But then beyond that, you didn't get much. You know, Cade York had a bit of an up-and-down year. I think he's starting to figure it out, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not completely sold on that. Jerome Ford didn't get to see the field, really, even though I like his potential because they just had so many running backs. Terry Winfrey came in with a lot of fanfare, but didn't end up being that consistent. You know, there's times where he'd blow guys off the ball, and then at the same time, he'd get blown off the ball. It just it wasn't consistent enough for me. David Bell was dealing with an injury and never really was able to contribute very much. I liked Alex Wright, but, you know, that's a backup rotational defensive end. Uh, same with Isaiah Thomas. I actually like Thomas a little bit more than even Wright. Uh, and, and then he lost Deaton. And, and Michael Woods barely saw the field, but I do actually like his potential as well. So if you look... You know, top to bottom, I, I give you more credit if you nailed an early pick because that's the pick that's more expensive, you know, in terms of overall value. And, and that's what you see with, like, the Steelers, for example. Like, I, I, I gave them a higher grade because I really like that Pickett-Pickens connection. Do I think Pickett is the, next, is the second coming at quarterback? No. But do I think he has potential to play, you know, to be developed into their longtime quarterback? Yeah. I, I think that he still has that. I think he showed enough ability as a rookie, whereas the Browns just didn't, outside of Emerson, didn't have a, a, a candidate that really came out of that class that made me think, you know, they really nailed that draft. But, you know, it's it, it, this exercise is funny because I do it division by division, mm-hmm. and then we get to the end where we compile all our grades, me and the other writer that does this, and I'm like, ah, I kind of regret that grade. I don't regret the Browns C-plus, though, and I think that they could do better in the future. Nick Chuk joining us from uh, NFL.com, Kent State University, right here in Northeast Ohio. In case you didn't know. Oh, I thought you were telling people that Kent State was in Northeast Ohio. I didn't. I'm sorry. No, Nick is from right here in Northeast Ohio. Andy, I was just. I know. Nick? Every, it's almost Friday. Every dang day, Nick. It's almost Friday. This is what I deal with here. How many years have you guys been doing this show together? 11. 17,000. 11. <laughs> I think you were still in school when we started this, you, weren't you? you? No, you were, you were in you elementary school. Were. You were still in school when we started doing the show? I was, because that's when 92.3 launched. That's when you guys started. I just remember, I came in and talked to your class, And he's thinking, didn't I? God, I want to do something better than that. You did. That's how we met. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if I met you at, at something else again or if I came in and talked to your class. And I'm like, man, one day I'm going to be uh, interviewing this kid on the radio going, man, he's got a great job. What am I doing? What, what went wrong with my career? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, it, 
earlier this week, and we, we've kind of we've milked this for all it's worth, but I'm going to tie it to something you just said about John Johnson. And you said, okay, maybe time with money involved, you, you need to move on from John Johnson. K.J. Wright, the former Seahawks linebacker, was on our show this week, and we didn't bring it up to him. He brought it up to us. He said, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, he doesn't like the pairing with Nick Chubb at running back, and he would trade Nick Chubb to allow Deshaun Watson to freely kind of put his stamp on the offense. Andy and I didn't agree with that, but Nick's a running back. He's making a lot of money. If the Browns need to free up money, tell us they're not going to do anything with Nick Chubb other than turn around and hand him the ball about 300 times. Because, you know, it seems so unfathomable, and yet I've heard this conversation continue to, to kick up on the Internet, not necessarily outside of the Internet, but on the Internet. And, it, and I see what he's saying when he explains, you know, the fit. But the thing is, is Nick Chubb has still proven to be a pretty decent to above, you know, pretty high quality uh, runner out of the shotgun and out of, you know, I think maybe pistol sets might be hard, but inside zones, I mean, that's, he's a zone one cut runner. That's just who he is. And I think that's going to fit your offense regardless. I'm not, I don't, I'm not worried about Nick Chubb as, as being somebody that's going to keep Deshaun Watson from blossoming. I'm worried about Kevin Stefanski and how he knows how to use Deshaun Watson more than anything, just because it, it seems like it was a combination of Watson not looking comfortable because he hadn't played in a year and a half. And then I throw week 18 out the window because they didn't have either of their tackles and they were just getting relentlessly harassed by the Steelers' defense. Um, So I really don't count that in the evaluation either. But I think it's just a lack of adjustment, them being able to work together. I I have a really hard time. I mean, when you talk about Nick Chubb, like, you know, we have on NFL.com, we're building the perfect running back this week. I didn't write it. It was Maurice Jones-Drew, but I was talking to one of the editors he works with about this. and, And we found, you know, eight traits that you want. It's size and speed and everything else. And Chubb fits. None of those. Yeah, in terms Nick, of the Nick wasn't listed in that. I, yeah. I, I was surprised, yeah. Nick. He'll never be a top that, right? But he's one of the best running backs in the league that you would certainly love to have, and I think a number of teams would love to have him. He just doesn't He doesn't dominate in one specific area, but he's a great player, a phenomenal player. I have a hard time giving up phenomenal players if I was a personnel executive in order to free up some cap space. When, when the salary cap, let's face it, guys, is, a, is kind of a myth, okay? The Saints have told yes. us the last few years, it's kind of a myth. They were $75 million over the cap going into last year's offseason. They let two guys go leave, and one retired. The other one was Teron Armstead and went to Miami. Okay? It's a myth. The Browns are not in that bad of a spot. Nick, a pleasure. You learned well, my friend. Thank you, you for being well. with us. Um, we'll, we'll look for you on the streets of Cleveland. Yeah, maybe I'll stroll over and uh, throw rocks at your window. I know which ones they are. Don't worry. Just come on over. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first, by the way. Don't worry. Yeah, among, <laughs> among other things, thrown at the windows. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Goodbye, Nick. Thanks for having me, guys. Nick Shook, NFL.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 